just enjoy the process. It's like such a cliche thing that a lot of coaches tell their athletes, but it can apply to not only athletics, but also your life, you know, just enjoy the journey and um, trust that God will lead you to the right place. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's conversation with um, college athlete now, Grace Kilroy. Grace and I met at Fellowship of Christian Athletes in her senior year of Centerville High School. And she is an elite runner who puts all the pressure on herself. In our conversation, we talk about how she deals with anxiety, specifically when she suffered injury, how she prepared, and how she learned to fall in love with the process. You're gonna love to hear some of her reflections on what it means to have fun as a student athlete. I know, no one ever thought we would put those words together, fun and student athlete. So be sure to check out this conversation. If you're a type A personality who doesn't know what to do when plans go astray, you need to listen to this conversation with Grace. Also, if you're enjoying this series on anxiety, please take some time to pop over to restorationcenterville.org, listen to the sermons that we're doing there each week, new sermon on anxiety. It has been such a thought-provoking conversation and dialogue with the church family. So restorationcenterville.org, or as always, on the Restoration Centerville app. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Grace. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's conversation. Uh, We're going to continue in our series on sports, students, and anxiety. And today, one of my favorite students who recently graduated from Centerville High School, Grace, is with us today. Grace, how the heck are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. Grace, why don't you kind of give everybody your history at Centerville and kind of with sports and um, and we'll, we'll kind of use that as a jumping off point. Okay, so I started running at Centerville in seventh grade with cross country. Um, my mom got me into the sport and I really enjoyed it. Um, I did track that year as well and I've run ever since. And um, you, have you always done long distance running? I have, yeah. I started off um, in cross country and for middle school the distance is two miles and in high school, it jumped to the 5K, but I've really never um, raced anything shorter than a mile and been decent at it. And you've done some other sports along the way as well. Yeah. Um, I used to dance. I danced for seven years. With the co-eds here in Centerville? No. No. Um, I just did independently at oh, studios. Oh, got it. And I really enjoyed that, but it got to the point where it was really expensive for what I wanted to do. And... My parents, they work really hard, but at the same time, it nece- it wasn't necessarily, like, in the budget for me, for them to spend, like, thousands of dollars for right. me to dance. Right, And when my mom um, got me into running, and I kind of took it on myself, and I really started to enjoy it, I decided to stop doing that, and yeah. And so, because I want to give everyone the full picture of where you've been and where you're going, uh-huh. what what's in store for you next year? Well, I will be running cross-country and track at Eastern Kentucky University. I will also be studying dietetics there. What? What is dietetics? Yeah, um, dietetics is basically the study of nutrition, and what my goal job is is working with college athletes and helping them 
create meal plans to help them to perform at an optimal level. Now, you were telling me before we started recording that you even have a food Instagram account. I do have a food Instagram account. What's so? What's the what's the handle so everybody can follow it's it? It's called Goodies by Grace. Um, Goodies by Grace. We'll link to yeah. it in the show notes for sure. Goodies, G O O D I E S. Yeah. Goodies by Grace. Yeah. Now, why don't you tell everybody how you and I met? Okay. Um, yeah. So this past year, um, we've always had FCA at our school, but this was the first year that we actually had like an organization come in and help us with it. So FCA. FCA um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and that's how we met. It was my senior year, and um, I joined, and yeah, that's how we met. Tremendous leader in the program, did phenomenal things. So tell me, how would you describe your relationship with God? Since we know that you're you're a Christian, you're walking with the Lord, what does that look like for you? Um, I would say my relationship with God, it's definitely like I talk to Him a lot um, through prayer probably. And it's just mainly asking him for, like, strength and guidance because, especially this past year, I had a little bit of a rough year with injuries and school and stuff. So it's just mainly, like, me talking to him and asking him to guide me through the situation that I'm in and asking him for help because I've definitely needed it. And I think he has provided. I've definitely got some guidance. Um, met some people in the past year that have really guided me. And... Yeah, he's definitely provided for me. Okay, so lots there to unpack. Let's <laughs> let's dive into it a little bit if I can. Okay. Uh, when you say rough year, what was what was rough about it? Well, I had during my junior track season, I had a really bad stress reaction in my foot, but I've always wanted to run in college and junior year is like the most important important recruiting year. So, I had to run how, through it. How old were you when you knew? that your junior year was the most important year of your um, of your recruiting time frame? I've probably known that since my freshman year when I really got serious about running. Everyone always said junior year is, is it. Um, so you're in your junior year and what happens? Well, during, it was actually on Thanksgiving day. I was doing like a stride in my cul-de-sac and I kind of felt something weird in my foot and I had one more race, I raced, and then it really started to hurt. I found out it was a stress reaction, which is not quite a stress fracture, but it, it, it's almost a stress fracture. So I took the winter off, but then when I came back, it was still bothering me. And just the entire track season was so rough because I knew I needed to race. And what happened was I would train through the week, race on Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, I wouldn't run. And I would pretty much limp that entire weekend and it, my foot would just hurt so badly but then eventually like I had I ran okay times that season and did get recruited by colleges and then over the summer I let it heal got back to running and then during my second race the cross-country season I fractured my hip of your senior year of my senior year right yes and luckily I had done all of my recruiting visits and I I had an idea it was between two schools um Baylor University in Eastern Kentucky, but um, both like financially and the distance, it worked out with Eastern Kentucky. And after, the day after I fractured my hip, actually, I contacted a coach and told him I was interested. And I told him my situation, and he's like, you know, that's fine. This is just a small setback, um, which I really appreciated him. And like 
him being willing to work with me through that. So that was the start of the rough year. And then after that, like during the winter, I ran. And then during the spring, I had another stress reaction in my foot and wasn't able to run track. And in a way, I think that was God answering some um, maybe prayer, some prayers that I may not have realized I prayed or something that I needed because I was just having like a really kind of rough time with coaching and everything. Yeah, because it, it's, it's hard to adjust to it all, right? It is. And you're in your senior year. Yeah. And you're trying to figure, and you, you know, you're, you're a pretty bright young lady. So like, uh, what kind of classes are you taking? Um, I was in some, I was in a really intense chemistry class. Yeah. And, um, calculus, that wasn't so bad. But then psychology. So I was in some AP courses that were pretty hard. Yeah. So, so talk to that, talk to me about that. Cause I, okay. I think that we often underestimate the amount of pressure yeah. that goes on high school athletes mm-hmm. academically. I mean, cause like you, you rough academic schedule, uh, you're, you're maxing your personal, I mean, like you're doing what you love in terms of running, but it's still like, how did that feel to you most of the time? Well, it started to get really just frustrating and bogged me down a lot because if once you get to like a certain, a certain point in your athletic career, it starts to feel like you're not going to, it's not free time that you spend when you're at your sport. It's almost feels like like a second job or something that you're yeah because you you worked the first job yeah well I didn't work that much during the school year but I was a lifeguard but um sometimes like athletics after school can feel just like another part of the day that you have to be at and that you have to go through it it started to feel like not fun and along with school like that that leaves no free time for you to like watch Netflix or right. maybe like hang out with your youth group or something. Like the important stuff. The important stuff, yeah. Right. And often, Not to say that sports are unimportant because, yeah. I mean, you and I both love sports. Yeah. And um, like spending time with my family, like dinner. We always had dinner together, which really helped, you know, to talk about the day and stuff. But other than that, you know, I didn't really have that much free time, which gets to the point where it's like you're on a hamster wheel. You're going, this, you're running, but you're in the same place. And, and for you, you were you were literally running. Yeah, <laughs> um, but mentally, it can get really draining, and it did. So, so talk to me about those moments when you're mentally drained. Mm-hmm. What what happens to you and your body, and in, in terms of like, how do you how do you approach life when you're feeling mentally drained? I know a lot of adults who don't do this well, and so it it kind of astonishes me that um, someone who's who's 18 mm-hmm. can manage this type of schedule and still be a functioning human? Yeah. Can you repeat the question? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I added a lot of extra stuff to it. How do you deal with it when you're feeling bogged down? Okay, when I'm feeling bogged down, um, I try to focus on the day by day, you know, and I look, I try to find a part in my day that I can look forward to. Like, Give me an example. An example would be, um, I mean, personally, I love to cook. So maybe I'll get up a little earlier in the morning and cook myself a nice breakfast. And that's just a small thing that I can look forward to. Or maybe that evening I may um, allow myself time to watch something on Netflix. Like I love Friends, 
So I may allow myself to some time to do that. How do you feel about Netflix removing Friends? Oh, I mean, I've watched all ten seasons, so I mean, I guess I guess I'm okay with it because of that. If I'm like halfway through, then I would be very upset. I just wondered if you had a strong opinion about it. Not really. Okay. All right. Good. So find find the little victory. Yeah, because then that gives you like it helps you find meaning to your day. Who, who taught you that skill? Pretty much myself. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I just, I started to realize that, you know, I may not have a lot to look forward to, like, in the, like, in the next week, but if I focus on something in each and every day, it, like, kind of puts a positive spin on things, and I think the reason why I found that was because I was injured a lot in high school. And it was so frustrating, like, not being able to run and having to be in the pool, like, for hours on end every week. Yeah, you, I mean, you told me that at one point in time you were doing a zero-gravity yeah, trainer. I was running on an Ultra-G treadmill, which took weight off. But um, you're not with your friends, and you're not – you don't have the social aspect of it, which not having the social aspect of a sport is – it's so draining because – Obviously, it's challenging, like, physically, but having, like, people along with you to do it and to go through it with it with you, it makes it so much easier. Yeah. But not having that, like, makes it so mentally draining, and I would be, I would be mentally just exhausted every day, but knowing that I had, like, these little tiny things to look forward to helped me get through the, those injuries, so I think that's how I found that. So, um... Two stress reactions, mm-hmm. uh, hip displacement, yeah. and um, uh, assortment of other, like, I'm sure things that we didn't even talk about. Like, mm-hmm. and at what point do you, like, maybe I should just hang up the shoes? Yeah. Um, well, I think it was probably the stress reaction I had during my junior track season because I was in pain, like, every day. And I just remember actually calling my mom before a meet one time. I was like, Mom, I'm going to run this meet, then after this I'm going to be done. And I don't, I don't know if I meant done with my season or done with running, but I just knew, like, I had to be done at that point. Um, but it was kind of weird because after, like, that evening, my foot stopped hurting, and it kind of stopped hurting for the rest of the season. So I think that was maybe God, like, telling me, you know, like, you're not done yet, like, keep going. And I had a pretty good season. Um, time-wise, but not necessarily um, health-wise with my bones. But yeah. hey, so, where does the pressure to run come from for you? Like, like I, I mean, obviously you're you're a Type A personality. Yeah. You you like. I mean, I think I can say this. You like to be in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's not going too far, right? No, it's not. Um, I would say it's one hundred percent intrinsically motivated by myself. Um, I've always, I've always known I wanted to run in college. I remember um, vividly when I was in seventh grade, we were at the seventh grade state meet, which for us felt like such a big deal. Sure. Um, Looking back on it now, it doesn't feel as much. Yeah. And I ran a time that I thought was like amazing. And I was like. Do you remember the time? It was like 12 minutes and 42 seconds, I think. And two miles? For two miles. And it was on like a really muddy and hilly course. That's blazing fast, just so you know. (laughs) For all of us recreational runners or plotters out here, that's super fast. 
I was like ecstatic with that time, and like now I could run like four miles or six miles at that pace. But as a seventh grader, did you win? Oh no, I got like I think I got seventeenth place. I remember <laughs> that. But isn't I, it funny what you remember? It is. Yeah. Like, do you remember almost the time for every race that you've ever run? No. No, but the um, big races. The big races, yeah. And so after that, I knew I wanted to run in college. And then that's, like, when I kind of started buckling down and started doing, like, extra stuff on my own, like core and weights and plyometrics. And, um, yeah, that's I – pr- I put all the pressure on myself to do that because I knew I had a goal that I wanted to achieve and I wasn't going to give up easy. Yeah, wh- where does that come from? Where does that goal, that wanting goal – is that just – do you think that's a – and, and you, you have a lot of experience with not just yourself, but with your teammates. What separates somebody who's like, I'm going to do plyo mm-hmm. versus to get faster, stronger versus someone who's like, I'm just going to practice? Yeah. Um, well, I think you're, for me, like doing those things, it was, it gave me like, I guess... A reason to oh gosh you're gonna have to cut this out okay it's okay can you repeat the question sure what's the difference between somebody who's intrinsically motivated versus somebody who's just doing the minimum okay for someone who's intrinsically motivated I think you have they have to have a goal in mind because without it you don't know where you're going and you don't know what you're working towards mm. and I think someone who, you know, just goes to practice and has fun with it, which there's nothing wrong at all with that. I think they um, they may just be in it to, like, have fun, you know, to be physically active, which is great. Which you're okay with. As yeah. a teammate who's intrinsically motivated, who's doing all the extra stuff. Oh, yeah. You're cool with that? Yeah, I am. Like, 100%, you know, I love everybody on my team. Um, is that just because you're a super nice person? I don't think so. I think it's because... Um, like I have interests outside of running and I think I can connect with people in other ways besides through athletics, which I think. um, So you're saying that athletics isn't the sole part of your identity. Oh no, not at all. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. Cause I, I think, I think, um, a lot of athletes that I see student athletes, especially, Mm -hmm. um, all the way seventh, you know, probably sixth, seventh grade. They begin to get anxiety yeah. around sports. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would say that that's loosely tied to identity. Mm-hmm. What's been your experience with that? Well, um, there was a point in time. It's probably between like the end of eighth grade to probably through like midway junior year, where I was just like one hundred percent like running is who I am. Like. If, if I don't have running, like, I'm nothing. Like, I'm not worth anything without it. Like, people know me at school as the runner. You know, if I didn't run, I don't think people would, like, care about me or know mm. who I am. And that kind of, it gets into, like, a vicious cycle of just, like, having, having to do something. Like, having to do that thing that you're identified by and not, like, getting being able to enjoy it. Um... But I think that once, I think after I fractured my hip my senior year, I was forced to take a break. Like, I couldn't I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I think that helped me kind of reshape and refocus 
Let's talk about that because I, I think that there are adults right now listening to this podcast who are stuck in their identity. They're stuck in their work identity, their identity as parents. I think that's part of the reason why we, we put so much pressure on our kids, right? Because we, their identity is our identity. And if our kid isn't good at something, then we're horrible parents and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. How, how did you reshape your identity in what could have been considered one of the most difficult seasons of your life? Mm-hmm. I think I reshaped my identity by just becoming, um, first and foremost, probably a better teammate because I still had to be there for my team, but I couldn't, I still had to like, I was a captain, so I had to find a way to make my team better, but I couldn't help my team be better through my athletic ability mm. because I couldn't run. So I had to um, help my team become better through my leadership. And I think that taught me, you know, how to be a better friend, how to listen better, how to, um, like how to help people in a way that they like need most, I would say. Um, and not having like the athletic side to worry about helped me to put more focus into my teammates and their individual needs. So I, I really want to repeat back to you what, what you just said because I think it's an absolute truth bomb, okay. right? What you said was becoming a, um, a better teammate and caring more about others than you cared about yourself mm-hmm. completely changed your identity. I think so, yeah. That's incredible. I, I mean, in so many ways, it, it feels like a, a super practical, um, a super practical step. If you want to care uh, less about who you are, care more about who others are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that. I can think of. I won't name their names just for privacy, but um, a few of my friends, I noticed um, that cross-country season, like, their talent skyrocketed. And I'm not saying that be- that was because of me, like, not at all, but I I noticed it. I think I noticed it more than I would have if I was competing. I noticed how, like, much they improved. I noticed how hard they were working. Um, and in a way, like... I wouldn't want to fracture my hip again and go through it, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't, if I could take it back, if someone told me, like, hey, like, you can go back to September 22nd of 2018 and not fracture your hip, I wouldn't because I learned so much through that experience, and I was able to really connect with my teammates on a different level than I was when I was healthy. That's, that's very wise. That's very wise, and I think it's a, a truth for a lot of adults out there that if we spent more time focusing on others, then we would care less about who we are. Yeah. It's a beautifully beautifully um, kind of lived out example. How, how did you come to that conclusion? Um, I came to that conclusion because honestly, like, I was mentally in a better place during and after my injury. And how did you get there? I got there because when I was forced to take like six weeks off of all physical activity, I it was like almost a hard reset. Is that when you binge watched all ten episodes, all ten seasons of Friends? Oh no, I did that my freshman year. Oh, <laughs> long ago, yeah. long ago. Uh, it was during the summertime, so got it. it didn't take away from schoolwork. Um, I think it was a hard reset, and having that allowed me to like become more 
in check with my own emotions. Mm. And, um, like, I think I was, I wouldn't say I was emotionally unstable before. You were a teenager. The definition was, of a teenager okay. is emotionally unstable. Yeah. You're, Grace, you don't have to be perfect. Okay. Um, but after that happened, I think I was just more, like, relaxed. And if I didn't get in a core workout, like, five times a week, I was okay with that. Because I was like, you know, it's fine. Like, my identity isn't running. And even though I had a college scholarship to, like, stay healthy for and uphold for this upcoming year, I was still, like, not as worried about everything because I knew that, you know, not everything is about running. And having that balance of, like, knowing that I had other things, like friends and my church family, really helped, um, like, balance my life. I don't know if that answered the question you asked. Yeah, no, it did. It did. It did. It was so good. Because I think what you're talking about there is coping mechanisms. Yeah. Like in the midst of, of what was a, a rough season, mm-hmm. you, you said you emotionally reset yourself. Yeah. Um, was if, if someone is listening and they're in that same dark place, mm-hmm. they're unsure about what's next, uh, maybe they're an adult, maybe they're a student, maybe they have a, maybe they have a student mm-hmm. or a child, you know, who's in a dark place, mm-hmm. how would you tell them? to coach that student or that child to the reset? I would say is what a lot of people told me, especially my mom um, and my dad. They said, for the past however many, like six years, you have worked nonstop. You worked so hard and you worked a little too hard, which is why this happened. And right now you have the opportunity to completely have a mental reset you and this may be the only opportunity you get you know you're committed to running college like you're gonna have your work cut out for you for the next four years of your life but right now like at this moment you have the opportunity to like change your mindset like heal your body like both mentally physically and spiritually and just completely restart And my coach even told me that, and he's like, you know, you have this opportunity to become a better teammate, you know, and, like, grow as a person in other ways besides through athletics. So I took that to heart because I had never had a break, and I knew that this was, like, my opportunity to improve myself in the ways I hadn't been able to before. So one of the things that I'm hearing is that you've, consistently surrounded yourself with good mentors mm-hmm. you're, you're obviously you're we spoke about it uh before we started recording your mom is a tremendous athlete mm-hmm. your parents love and support you dearly coaches how important do you think community is to this whole identity sports anxiety thing oh gosh community is so important because they're the ones who are lifting you up some in some situations they're the ones tearing you down um And that's why you want to surround yourself with good people because those are the ones who are going to guide you in the right direction. You know, when I was, um, like, in the times when I've been injured, I know the people who are most important and who have supported me are the people who said, you know, this is okay. It's just one small step in your entire journey. Um, You know, you'll get through it. And just those people who have guided me through it, like, 
my parents, my coaches, um, probably a lot of people at my church. Um, and where do you where do you go to church at? I go to Epiphany Lutheran. Epiphany Lutheran, right? Yeah. And they're doing great things for the gospel over oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. I've been there since I was born. Um, what role do you think faith has played in your in your coping mechanisms and identity and your dealing with anxiety? I think faith has kind of it's I can't even put into words how much it's helped me and just um like given me a safe spot almost where I can go and just maybe not even think about running you know when I'm at church I'm I'm at church I'm not a cross-country practice I'm like surrounded by a church community who cares about me because like I'm a child of God you know they don't I mean I'm sure they they think it's cool that I run they think it's cool that I'm in sports but it's not my sole identity right and they know that you know like, I'm a child of God, and that's all I care about, which I think it's great having that community because um, I think that kind of may have set me apart from some other people on my team. Like, I'm not sure people's religious um, backgrounds on my team. Like, we don't really talk about it, but I just know having this community that wasn't my friends from cross-country or my friends from school, um, it allowed me to like have a break from like the constant, um, I guess, grind. pressure. Yeah, yeah grind. Pressure, yeah, grind. I want to say of sports and school. So, I'm sure that over the years in all of your running, you've seen runners maybe that went to Centerville or didn't have those freak out moments. Could you describe what that looks like from? Um, an outsider's because there's probably somebody who's listening who's never really done sport at the intensity of which you you sport. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it look like when one of your fellow athletes loses it? Like without using any names or anything, can you give us an example of what that looks like either before or after a race or with a parent or what's it look like from a student's perspective when another student basically falls apart? Um, I mean, I guess. I haven't seen like that happen that many times. Um, I've known some people who I've had like close relationships with who have gone through really like long and rigorous struggles. Yeah. Um, but I think it's kind of scary seeing that because it, especially like when you're, when it's because of a sport, it's, it, it kind of shows how that one sport can tear someone apart and it's scary honestly not only like for that person but for the entire like what's what's it look like it looks like sometimes it's girls crying right sometimes it's girls like just being so depressed or maybe not eating like as yeah no i mean that's Um, it's a real thing right it's it's a real thing and like i'm lucky i've never struggled with that side of things but that's it's pretty scary to see like people not even sometimes vocalizing it but just knowing that they're going through something and not being able to help them yeah and and you i'm I'm see it in the locker room right or whatever the cross-country equivalent to that is is Mm -hmm. you know when somebody on your team or somebody 
you're competing against on a regular basis because you know you get to know competitors pretty oh, yeah. well you know when they're not right what what would you uh, say to the parents out there who um, who have a student athlete who are dealing with anxiety? What, what are the signs of somebody who doesn't look right? Obviously, um, maybe losing weight for like drastic weight. I would say you know like a little bit at first, and then is what happens with like eating disorders. You know they'll lose a little bit of weight at first, like nothing bad, but then their performance might improve. And then it gets to the extreme where they're like, if my performance is improving because I'm losing weight, like I just want to keep losing weight until, because it'll make me better. Um, so that, that's obviously a clear warning sign, but I think one of the most like clear cut warning signs is just like them distancing themselves from you. Because I know like when I was just so stressed out with sports sometimes, like sometimes I just wouldn't want to talk to people. I would be so irritable towards my parents. And I know they're going to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to apologize to them <laughs> right now through the, for those times. Um, I just think distancing yourselves, like your child's like being really irritable towards you. Um, and maybe like, maybe they start to perform worse in school. Um, I think those are definitely like warning signs. And, that. and, how would you tell those parents to engage that student? Because I'm sure when you're, you know, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, when you're in a, when you're hangry or whatever, yeah. like when you're just that irritable and you don't want to listen to anyone, mm -hmm. how, how can somebody engage their student to bring them back in? Um, well, for me, I think my parents, my, my mom, she, I think one time she does several times, but um, she would just say, you know, Grace, like, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself, like, if you're overtraining, um, you know, you're not sleeping enough, like, you're going to hurt yourself. And that, I think, those times when she would do that, it was just like... Speak some hard truth. It, it was hard truth, yeah. She would... And nobody can see your body posture, but the way exactly. that you just imitated your mom saying those things <laughs> was with yeah. some authority. Yeah. Right? Like, your mom came into the room and was like, Grace, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, so I think it was some of that tough love that helped me the most. Um, I would say, like, obviously, like, gentle encouragement for your child is, like, also um, helpful. But I think also sometimes tough love is kind of the way you need it. Maybe not need if your child... It all depends on your child. Of course, right, but of course. But that's how it worked best for me was through the tough love. All right, because uh, someone like you, you're never going to have to be told to do the work. Like you, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you have fallen in love with the process. Yeah. It seems like from yeah. an outsider's perspective. So the, the hardest thing for you is to, to slow down. So uh -huh. tough love for you is the way to go. Now, if, if somebody is on the opposite scale of that, then maybe gentle love would be yes. right. So just, yeah. you know, obviously look for the way that your child receives yeah. that kind of criticism the best. Yeah, that was my personal experience with it. But, but I think most people that, that really struggle with anxiety in sports and the pressure that comes with sports, they're not, um, I mean, unmotivated people typically don't have to worry about pressure because they don't put the pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. Right, and where someone like you, on the other hand, super motivated, intrinsic pressure, yeah. 
um, that could has to sometimes feel like you're managing a volcano. Yeah, it does. Um, especially with like all the ancillary stuff I would do, like core and weights and hip strength. Some days I would be like, I didn't do leg strength yesterday and I can't do it tomorrow. I have to do it today, but I also have to do weights today and I have to do core today. But like, and I have to run. I don't have enough time to do all that. Plus go to school. Plus go to school. Plus have friends. Yeah. And, but then for me, like a, a couple years, or it was a few years time span where if I had to do all that, I would. Like, no matter what. Because it would bother the heck out of me if I didn't. And in my mind, I was getting stronger doing that, which looking back at it was, I was not. Um, but yeah, that's, I think, like the harm sometimes of having that intrinsic motivation is kind of doing self-destructive things to yourself, even though you think it may be okay. That's incredible. I, and I think that you, the, um, the vision around that, your, your, your ability to go back and take a look at that is a tremendous gift. So, and, and, and I'm gonna suggest that you probably helped a lot of parents look at their students um, in a different way let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. As you think about student athletes and high school sports in general, mm-hmm. what do you think the system could do to make it better for the athlete? I think the system, um, I know like a lot of sports, the coaches expect perfection from their athletes. And I think they're kind of losing sight of the doing it for fun aspect. Um, I think the kids who are going to, um, who want to play in college, who want to, you know, be on varsity, they're going to make sure they do the, they do the work to improve themselves, you know, but the kids who are just there to have fun, like there's nothing wrong with that. And they should be given an opportunity to have a sport where they can go to and have fun, you know, and not be worked until they're dead tired and don't want to come back. I think... Do you, do you think that part of that um, struggle is because of where we are? I mean, I love Centerville. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love the city. I love the school. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the pressure of being a, a big competitive school has a lot to do with that? Um, I think so because at Centerville, like, if you're not at the top of your game, you're not going to be on varsity. Right. And – I think it's just a constant fight between people, like not physical or anything, but just like try everyone trying to be better than their competitors, better than their teammates. So I think that being in this, like this community kind of like blindsides people into thinking that, you know, they need to be the best. If you're not the best, then you're the worst. Exactly. Or not necessarily the worst, but if you're not the best, then like, you're over there, you're in a separate group. Like They're irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. that can be a scary thought. It can, because that almost, that does take away the fun aspect of sports. So, that's a, man, that's a powerful thing. I, I think what I hear you saying is that it's imperative for parents and coaches mm-hmm. and really the system to support the idea it's okay to just do sports. Yeah. And chill. I love it. I love it. 
um, your next season mm-hmm. will be your first college season. It will. How are you feeling about that? I am really excited. Um, what are you I, most excited about? I think I am most excited for the change, honestly, <clears throat> and um, to meet my new teammates. Eastern Kentucky, they do a lot of foreign recruitment, so like half my team is from Europe and other countries, which I think is going to be awesome because I don't think I'd get that experience anywhere else. Yeah. So I'm just really excited for the change in both um, teams, but also just complete atmospheres um, in general. Like I won't be living with my parents. I'll be in a dorm room, you know, washing my own laundry, <laughs> um, you know, and I'll be the primary, like manager of your manager schedule. Manager of myself. Right. Yeah. So. I'm excited for that challenge, I think. What's the scariest part of your next season? I think the scariest part is honestly like balancing athletics and schoolwork because um, what the major I'm doing is really science heavy and it's not like science isn't my strongest subject, but I've wanted to be a dietitian since middle school and I know it's something that I'm passionate about, but I know it's gonna be (laughs) a challenge. academically and balancing out with athletics I know it's going to be hard but I'm prepared (laughs) (laughs) well if anyone's prepared I know it's you thank you um what uh, what what are you doing about the pressure going into next year How, how are you coping with it already you know it's really early but I don't feel any pressure right now um I think that's because it's a blank slate and I'm just kind of kind of let I'm just going to kind of let my coaches guide me and I'm going to completely trust what they have me do, like, workout-wise. Um, so right now I don't really feel any pressure, which I haven't felt this way in years, um, which is weird because I feel like college racing is more important than high school racing. But I think I have a much healthier mindset. Yeah, I love the fact that it feels like your healthier mindset is c- compounding on itself. Yeah. Like, the, the more time that you spend in it, the easier it will be to stay in it. That's good. That's good. So one of the questions I love to ask all of our guests mm-hmm. is if you could go back and give young Grace, let's say seventh grade Grace running yes. her first middle school race, uh-huh. if you could look that athlete in the eye and say one piece of advice, I, what would it be? I would say just have fun with it and don't be so wrapped up in the results. Because I think middle school, seventh and eighth grade, and even freshman year, like, I had a great time. Um, And I thoroughly enjoyed running with my teammates. I loved, and I still do, um, but I, like, I thoroughly enjoyed going to practice every single day and just running. I remember middle school cross country, like, I would come home, like, my face beat red and with a smile on my face. But after a few years, like, that started to become more a frustration if a workout didn't go well or something. So I think I would tell seventh grade grades, you know, just have fun with it and don't be so wrapped up in the results because the results will come, but you just need to have a healthy mindset and do your best with what you have. That's awesome. I think that's, you know what, actually I think there's probably a lot of adults that just need to have more fun and just chill out a little bit. Yeah. Chill out a little bit. 
Uh, good. So I, I do want to ask you about the um, Goodies by Grace Instagram account. Yes. Tell me about it. What's on it? Okay, so it's um, a few recipes that I've created myself. Um, uh, what's your favorite recipe? Because I, I love to eat. I don't know if you know okay, that. Okay, so I created this recipe. Um, they're healthy blondies, and they're so good. And I made the recipe myself, which I am so proud of. Uh, a healthy blondie feels like a oxymoron to me, so you have to tell me what's in it. Okay. You don't have to give away any proprietary secrets. Well, it's made with, I mean, it's on, the recipe's on my page, but it's made with, like, whole wheat pastry flour um, and no refined sugar, so it's, like, coconut sugar and maple syrup is what it's sweetened with, and, like, the fat is from, I believe, um, a nut butter of your choice. So that's my favorite recipe, but other things that are on there are just, like, um, pictures of what I eat. It's not everything I eat, but it's the meals that I make that look photogenic enough <laughs> to go on my account. So, um, yeah, that's what I post. And, um, yeah. So You love it? I love it. My It's, what I ha- it's a, how I found, founded it, I guess, is it was my first cross-country meet where I couldn't run because of my hip. And I was showing some, my, some of my friends, like I had a, um, an album in my phone with just pictures of my food because I enjoyed to take pictures of my food. And a few of my friends were like, you should make a food Instagram. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, well, I have the time now. Like, I can't run. So that's how I started it. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. So everybody, stop what you're doing right now. You can pause the podcast or you can open up another browser and go follow Goodies by Grace on Instagram. Give her some love. Thank her for being on the podcast. Grace, thank you so much for sharing and for being um for being a part of our community, and uh, it's been an honor to watch you uh, mature in your faith and in your athleticism, and I we can't wait to follow you at, at uh, in college and see what God does. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Any any final thoughts? Um, just enjoy the process. It's like such a cliche thing that a lot of coaches tell their athletes, but. It can apply to not only athletics, but also your life. You know, just enjoy the journey and um, trust that God will lead you to the right place. Amen. Amen. Well, I look forward to following up with you. Maybe your senior year of college. Maybe. All right, let's do it. I'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this uh, insightful conversation with Grace. I hope that you heard in her story so much about what it means to fall in love with the process and have fun in the process. Her compounding view of mental health and what it looks like to be a student athlete. Well, let's just say I can't wait to have my 13-year-old listen to that because I think it's so important to hear it from other athletes who are where most athletes want to be at the college level, uh, excelling in their sports. So, Um, Hey, special bonus episode coming up next. We were going to end the sermon uh, or rather the the podcast series on anxiety with this episode with Grace, but I was able to get one more guest and his name is Charlie McMahon. Maybe you've heard of him. He's the, the pastor of Southbrook. He's got a great story about youth sports and his son. Can't wait to share this with you and so much more. As always, the best thing that you can do to stay engaged is to subscribe. And also, if you could do me a favor and share this podcast with a friend, I know that there's somebody out there who needs to hear uh, about this conversation on anxiety. So until next time, 
I'll see you guys real soon.